Jeremiah chapter 30, I'd like to begin reading in verse 6. As the Bible said, Ask now and see whether a man is ever in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor, and all faces turned pale? Verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. I want to preach and teach this morning on the tribulation period. You see, the Word of God gives us a very detailed outline of events that's going to take place upon the earth after the church has been raptured away. It's true that the dispensation of grace will end in the coming of the Lord with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's not going to be the end of the world. There'll be multiplied millions of lost men and women left upon the earth who will go through one of the most horrible and terrifying periods that's ever going to be known to mankind. Jesus tells us about this period in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, when he said, For then shall be great tribulation, such as one not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Isaiah called it a day of indignation in Isaiah 26 and 20 as he said, Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourselves as it were for a little moment until the indignation is past. I want us this morning for a little while, for the next few minutes, to look into the Word of God to see what's going to take place during the tribulation period. This brings us to the question, what is the tribulation period? The tribulation period is the space of time between two events of the coming of Christ. Now we've got to get it clear in our minds that the coming of Christ is one event with two parts to be able to fully understand the tribulation period. The first part of this event is when Jesus Christ comes in midair and he resurrects the dead saints and those which are alive and remain shall I'll be changed in the twinkling of an air, in, 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 in a twinkling of an eye, and we'll be caught up together with him in the air to ever be with the Lord. Then, when the tribulation period is finished, part two of this event is when Jesus Christ will come back with his saints to establish his kingdom upon the earth. As Brother Andy was singing about it this morning, we're coming back with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to be right on that white horse. We're coming back to do battle with the Lord and to set up his kingdom. You see the period between the rapture of the saints and his coming back with the saints is called the tribulation period. This period will last for approximately seven years. The final three and a half years is called the great tribulation. The first few weeks and months after the saints of God are gone men will have, will have the job of reconstructing a shattered society. Vacant offices will have to be filled. New store clerks will be hired. New managers for businesses will be hired. Presidents and CEOs for firms will have to be filled and hired. All the affairs of the world will have to be completely reorganized because there's going to be millions of people that's going to be missing. You see the sinners who are left on the earth when the church 
has been called away will have to face uh, this horrible period. Uh, some morning, some evening, or at the midnight hour, those who are in Christ uh, will simply disappear from their homes, uh, their schools, their offices uh, without warning. Uh, you see, people from all walks of life, all ages, uh, will suddenly be gone. Uh, the redeemed is going to be out of here. Those that are looking and believing in Jesus Christ, uh, those that have repented of their sins, uh, those who have asked for the blood of Jesus uh, to cover those sins uh, and for Jesus to come into your heart uh, and be your Lord and Savior, you don't have anything to worry about. Uh, this is shouting ground for you uh, because we're going to be gone. Uh, the church is going to be out of here. Conversations are going to be interrupted. One party will vanish and the other will be left in the middle of a, con of a conversation. A portion of the family will be gone and another left. The same anxious question will occupy the hearts uh, of all people in the home, in the factory, in the streets, uh, or wherever people are. They're going to be asking this question, where have they gone? What happened? What took place? They're all gone. They're disappeared. You see, the people on the earth will go into pandemonium when they hear the radio announcements and the television broadcast and read the newspaper headlines stating that people People are missing without a trace. They've disappeared in the greatest mass kidnapping story of all time. Cries and wails will echo through the airs. Schools will be closed. Stadiums will be empty. Music will be turned into mourning. Men's appetites will leave them. Businesses will be paralyzed. The wheels of industry will come to a screeching halt. And the whole world will suffer severe shock in not knowing and understanding what's taken place. Then through the communication media, it's soon discovered that this same occurrence has taken place at the same time all over the world. This was not just a single location. This was not one household, one city, one town, one county, or one state. But my friend, this is going to take place worldwide as Jesus Christ steps out on the eastern skies and takes the redeemed of Jesus Christ's home. You see, there will be hundreds of thousands that won't be able to believe their eyes and they will be in a panic-stricken mode. They will continue for months in search for their relatives and, and for their companions that are gone only to come to the realization that the message of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was a reality. The church has been raptured and now they are left upon the earth to face the judgment of Almighty. God. You see, at this time, after the rapture's taken place, the Antichrist will be revealed. While the whole world is in a state of shock, the devil's going to take advantage of it in this opportunity. Paul wrote about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he began to tell us in verse 8. He said, And then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the wicked one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth 
than that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, at the beginning of the tribulation period, the Antichrist will be revealed. Those who did not believe the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, that did not accept the gospel, that did not accept that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and is the Messiah and the Lord and the Savior of those that will believe upon him will believe the lies of the Antichrist. You see, in John chapter 5, verse 43, he said, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. These were the words of Christ that he prophesied as he was preaching here in John chapter 5. You see, my friend, in this confusion and frustrated state, the lost world would grasp for a straw of hope. They're going to be looking for just some glimmer of something that's going to give them some kind of reasoning and some kind of hope. The Antichrist will present new schemes, new inventions, and a new outlook. Before long, many great and startling events will occupy people's minds. There will be little time for them to realize that they've been caught in the stream of things and it's carrying them to their final doom. The Antichrist will gain prominence as a world leader through the power of Satan. Paul talked about in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. He's going to be empowered by the power of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. The Antichrist will arise to prominence and receive universal acclamation and supreme dictatorship. He will be become the imperial head of the reorganized Roman Empire. You see, the Antichrist calls the, called the beast in Revelations chapter 13 will sway the world with his scepter. Men will rejoice in him, not realizing that it's Satan who gives him his power and his authority. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, the world is going to be in chaos. The financial structure is going to have fallen. Leadership is going to be failed democracy is going to be gone there's going to be war and rumors of wars all around us but yet in the midst of panic and chaos there is going to arise one that's going to say I'm him I've got the answer it's all right here I've got it all figured out and then he's going to do signs and wonders through the power of Satan he's going to deceive the world and then he's going to take his position with all power and all authority he will begin his reign under the guise of peace and prosperity. He's going to tell the world, your money system has fallen. There's wars and rumors of wars. Every country is against another country. If you'll let me become the dictator, if you'll let me become the supreme counselor, the supreme president of not just the United States but the whole world, I can guarantee you that there's going to be peace and there's going to be prosperity. You're going to prosper. You're going to gain. You will not be in the state that you've been in. There will be no more struggles. There will be no more battles. But I will bring peace in the midst of the chaos that's taking place in the world. He will make a covenant with the Jews for seven year period. 
According to Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 it said then, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week a week of years or seven years but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offerings and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolation. Now this simply means that the Antichrist is going to deceive the Jews for the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. He's going to deceive the Jews. He's going to tell them, I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm going to not only bring peace to the world, but I'm going to bring peace in Jerusalem. I'm going to bring peace in the midst of chaos. I'm going to put everything back together. But when he sets himself up as God and demands the worship of the Jews, that's when they're going to realize that they've been deceived. He will rebuild the temple at Jerusalem and claim to be God. For the scripture tells us in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. He's going to set himself up. He's going to say, I'm God. He's going to finish the rebuilding of the temple at Jerusalem, which, by the way, has already already been under construction for a lot of years and is near completion now even as we speak. This tells me that all these things are lining up. You see, he's going to set up a metallic image of himself in the temple and he will call upon the Jews to worship it. The Antichrist takes the place of Jesus Christ and denies God and his begotten son, Jesus Christ. When the Antichrist assumes deity, this is what Jesus Christ called the abomination of desolation in Matthew 24 and 15. This is what's going to take place. Not only is the Antichrist going to finish the rebuilding of the temple at Jerusalem, not only is he going to set up an image of himself and demand that the Jews worship it, but we're going to find that a new religion will be instituted at this time. At this time, another beast called the false prophet appears on the scene and exercises all power of the Antichrist before him. John wrote in Revelations chapter 13 verse 11 said then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and he causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. The false prophet is the, prominent, uh, is the proponent of a new religion instituted by the Antichrist. The false prophet shall cause the image of the Antichrist uh, with magical satanic power to speak and to appear alive. There's people going to be deceived. That brings me to the point that the body of Christ needs to be in a spiritual state right now to where we know what's real and what's not. Everything that shouts ain't of God. Everything that jumps, pews, and runs aisles ain't of God. 
everything that says I'm this, this, and this ain't of God. And if it don't line up with this right here, we better leave it alone and go the other way, and we need to rebuke it. We need to stay away from it. It's got to line up with this book. If there's ever been a time that we need to know what this book says, it's now. We're coming down to the wire. There is no more time to play with God. There is no more time to say, God, I'm going to do this next week, next month, next year. I don't have time for you right now. God, there's things I want to do. Honey, there's not a better thing you need to do this morning than to make sure your heart's right with God. Your sins are forgiven. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus is going to get you and take you to heaven when he steps out on those eastern skies. There's not anything that we need to do besides that. You see, the false prophet is the proponent of a new, a new religion instituted by the Antichrist. The false prophet shall cause the image of the Antichrist with magical satanic power to speak and to appear alive. All those on the earth will be demanded to worship the image of the beast. Now think about this. The image of the beast is going to be set up. Not only is the Jews going to be required to worship this, but everybody on the earth. Everybody that's still remaining on the earth is going to be demanded that you worship the beast. The Bible says he causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Anyone who dares to refuse will be punished with death in order that every living soul shall bow and submit to the new degrees of the false prophet. Everyone in order to make an allegiance is ordered to make an allegiance to the king by displaying a mark in his right hand or in his forehead. Revelations 13 verse 16 and 17 said, He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name, which is 666. The failure of the Jews to bow down and worship the Antichrist will result in another massive extermination of the Jews multitudes of them will be beheaded for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. But that's not only Jews. When you stand up, if you stand up and you're, you've missed this and you're still here and you say, I'm not worshiping the image, they're going to say, that's okay, we've got a guillotine with your name on it right here. We have a spot right here that's for you. That's what's going to happen to those that are left behind. They're going to have a mass extermination. Multitudes of them will be beheaded for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Antichrist promises of peace and prosperity will be shattered. The scripture says that he shall take peace from the earth. The tribulation period shall be a time of war and rumors of war like the world has never known. It's true that today there are many wars throughout the world, but then every symbol of peace will be removed from the earth and the whole world will be thrown into a dismay and confusion. I want you to think about it as we must keep in mind that today the church is the, in the world is preserving it from total corruption. What's holding back the total destruction of the world right now? It's the faith 
faith of the believers. It's the prayers of the saints. It's those that are looking for the power of God. It's those that are born again that's filled with His Spirit that is the preserving part of this society and this world right now that's stopping total destruction and confusion for coming upon this world. The church is the restraining force to hold back the floodgates of evil. But during the tribulation period, the church is going to be gone. There's not going to be any more restraining. It's going to be out of here. Its light will fail to shine. Its influence will not, will not be felt. Hell will break loose upon the earth. Can you imagine what this world would be like without the church, without ministers uh, to visit the sick and the suffering, without radio broadcast and television stations uh, where the gospel is being preached, without public pulpits uh, sounding forth with the truth of God's word? What kind of world would it be? It'll be a world that's full of chaos and terror and pain and suffering and a place that you don't want to be and you don't want to be found and you don't want to be a part of you see not only will war riddle this period but the Bible says it will be a time of severe famine when you go to the Revelation chapter 6 beginning in verse 5 when he opened the third seal I heard the third living creature say come and see so I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat upon it it had hair had in his hand a pair of scales and in his hand and I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a penny and three quarts of barley for a penny this day of great tribulation will bring about a great lack of food making it probable that individuals will accept the mark of the beast in the palm of their hand or in their foreheads in order to be able to buy food to satisfy their starving bodies and feed their loved ones I've heard all my life I've been a Christian for 32 years and been in the ministry nearly the entire time I received the call to preach two months after I got saved in my entire life as a Christian I've heard people say well it don't matter if I'm ready for the rapture or not I'll just make it through tribulation honey how do you think you can make it through tribulation when half the time we can't serve God right now how do we think we're going to face death and we're going to be put into a guillotine and our head's going to be chopped off and we're not going to be able to buy food, we're not going to be able to buy anything or sell anything without receiving the mark of the beast? How are we going to survive? How are we going to make it then when it's demanded universally around the world that you worship this image and you have, uh, you have allegiance to the Antichrist or you're going to be beheaded? How are we going? to serve God then when we can't serve him now it's a struggle to get the church on time and we're going to give our life for Jesus Christ all creation will be impacted by God's judgment not only will the people be affected by the whole creation will feel the impact of the judgment of God. 
Revelations chapter 6, verse 12 through 14 said, I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as the fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky recedes as a scroll, and when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Now during this time, the sun will pull a veil over its face. The moon will begin to bleed. The stars will fall from their sockets. The heavens will roll up like a scroll, and the mountains will tremble and move out of their place. Now think about this. Think about all the chaos. Think about what's been set up. The Antichrist is in, in, is in rule. Think about all the things that he's demanded. He's demanding that the world worship him. He set himself up as God. If you don't, you're going to be you're going to be executed. You're going to be killed. There's a famine that's came upon the earth like men have never known before. There's starvation rampant. The only way that you're going to be able to buy and sell is take the mark of the beast, uh, the mark of his name in your hand. The only way that you're going to be able to buy, sell, or do anything is to have the mark. But now, as the judgment of God continues to unfold, the earth is being affected. You think about how much the earth is affected if the earth shifted off of its pivot just a fraction. Think about how it would change the seasons and how it would change the temperatures and how it would change the, 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 the function of the ocean and how it would change the function of the earth. And then you think about that the sun doesn't shine anymore, the moon begins to bleed, stars fall from out of the sky, the heavens are rolled up like a scroll and mountains begin to tremble and they move out of their place. God's creation expresses its wrath against humanity who has rejected the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and has trampled underneath the blood of the Son of God. When the earth begins to rock to and fro like a drunk and move out of its place, one of the greatest prayer meetings of the world has ever known or will ever know will take place, but it will not be a prayer meeting at a church altar. It will not be a prayer meeting where they're trying to find salvation, but they will plead for deliverance from their guilty conscience and for a hiding place from the wrath of God in Revelation 6 and 15 and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the commanders and the mighty men and every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come who is able to stand they will cry out in prayer to be hid from the face of him who as they have rejected but the Bible said in Zechariah 12 and 10 and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced there's coming a day there's coming a time that every eye is going to see every knee is going to bow every heart and every mouth is going to confess but I've got news for you when it gets to that point it 
it's too late. You've done missed the opportunity. It's over. It's done. It's gone. There's nothing but destruction and sorrow and pain and suffering that's coming upon the earth. And it's a period that I don't want to be a part of. I don't want my family members to be a part of. I don't want my church to be a part of. I want us to be redeemed. I want us to be forgiven. I want us to be the righteous. I want us to be under the blood. I want our names to be written in the Lamb's book of life. I want them to be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the blessings of the Lord because now you've made it in. The battles are over. All the things of the earth is behind you. Now you have peace, prosperity, power, and anointing from the Lord Jesus Christ. Countless horrors, too numerous to count. And I haven't even begun to touch some of the things that's going to take place during the tribulation period. But countless things, too numerous to count in this message this morning because of time is going to take place during the tribulation period. As the tribulation period nears its completion, the Antichrist will have things well in hand. He will feel like that he's got the world and all the people in the world right where he wants them. But in his conceit, he will gather an army together to fight against God. This battle is called the Battle of Armageddon, and it is his downfall. The Lord will come down from heaven in his brightness and his glory and destroy the Antichrist and establish his kingdom upon the earth. You see, Isaiah tells us in chapter 55 and verse 6, he said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. For today is the day of salvation. Now is that accepted time. We want to say, God, no, I've got things to do. I'm busy. I've got a hectic schedule. I work many hours. I've got activities with my kids. They play ball. They play sports. They're in dance. They're in gymnastics. They're singing. They're in talent contests. They do this. They do that. They go everywhere. They're so involved. God, I don't have time for you. What are we teaching our kids? You're the, you're the adult. You're the one that when the rapture takes place and they come to the knowledge and realization of what's happened and they look at you and say, Daddy, why didn't you tell me? Daddy, why didn't you tell me? Why am I going through this turmoil? Why am I going through this? Why didn't you tell me? What are you going to do when teenagers walk up to you because they're going to be above the age of accountability and they're going to look you square in the eye and say, Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Why didn't you take me to church? Why didn't you let me hear a gospel message? Better yet, why didn't you tell me about the gospel message? You're my parent. You're the Godhead in my life. You're my spiritual leadership. You're the one that is supposed to teach me about what's right and what's wrong. Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? No, we leave it to pastors and evangelists and Sunday school teachers when they happen, when we can happen to be here and be a part of service. We leave it to everybody else. It's not everybody else's responsibility. It's yours, number one. You're the mom and daddy. You're the parent. You should be the most spiritual influence in your children's life. And what they see you do should be the most influential thing in their life. 
But some of us would be embarrassed if they followed suit to what some of us do. Because we fill our lives with excuses, lack of commitment, false dedication. I'm committed to everything but God. I'm not trying to be mean or ugly this morning. But I'm trying to tell you what God's put in my spirit, and it's time to get serious with God. Playtime's over. Play church is gone. The rapture's about to take place. Jesus is about to come. The church is about to be taken out. And whether you go in the rapture or you miss it and you face what I just preached about this morning is up to you. And excuses ain't going to get the job done. Being too busy is not going to get the job done. I don't think that's going to register on God's excuse scale. We're coming down to the wire. We're coming down to the last time that this, world, this earth and this world is ever going to know. And what keeps ringing in my ears is that we are the watchmen on the wall. We are the ones that are supposed to be watching for those that don't know. Not just pastors, not just evangelists, not just prophets, not just ministry people, not just Sunday school teachers, not just superintendents, not just pastors' council, not just singers and musicians, not just people that help lead us in worship. But if you're a born-again believer, you're supposed to be a watchman on the wall. And whether you believe it or not, I read a survey back several years ago, but whether you believe it or not, it said in this survey, every person has a circle of seven people in their lives that nobody else will be able to reach but that person. That's seven souls that's hanging in the balance that nobody's going to be able to reach but you. Are we reaching them? Are we living the life before them? Are we telling them the right way to live for God? Are we showing them and demonstrating it in our actions? Are we really, really declaring from the top of the wall, Jesus is coming, 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 Jesus is coming. Are we really declaring from the wall that Jesus is coming? This thing is about to end. It's about to be over. It's about to be finished. Where do you stand right now this morning? If you took all the blinders off, if you took all of the excuses away, if you stood in front of the presence of God right now and looked Jesus in the eye, Is Jesus going to know you? Is he going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the blessings of the Lord. Or is he going to turn away and say, I can't find your name in the book. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. You've rejected me. I've never known you. If it was this morning, 
if this was the day, would we be ready to go?